Great. Well, we're, um, we've been in a, in a series, for those of you who knew you've missed some of it, but that's okay, and the series is called Foundations. I'll just recap what we've been looking at. We've been basically saying uh, that, or asking the question, what is Trinity Church Nottingham that we want to be about? What are our foundations? What would they be? If we were to describe those foundations, what would it actually look like for us? And... Um, and really, I suppose you could uh, summarize it in the words of uh, Simon Sinek, who some of you have probably heard, heard of, uh, by asking the question, what is our why? Why do we exist? And that's really the question we've been getting at. By looking at this whole idea of foundations, we're trying to ask that question, why are we here? And I guess the, the reason we're here, the why of Trinity Church Nottingham is the kingdom of God. The big picture here is that we want to see the kingdom of God coming in Nottingham as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God coming in Nottingham as it is in heaven. Now that, that phrase, uh, kingdom of God, is sort of technical language that's that used by Jesus in the New Testament. And it really describes what happens when God shows up. In other words, when God gets his way, what is it that takes place? What is it that happens? That's what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God breaking in all around the person of Jesus. So if you were to read some of these gospels, we just had heard a bit of one read to us. If you were going to read these for Jesus, you see what the kingdom of God is like. So we know because of Jesus that the kingdom of God is about uh, the release of, it's about preaching good news. That's, it's about that. And it's about the, the good news that God has come close. Kingdom of God's about that. The king, it's about people's bodies, their minds, their hearts, their whole beings being restored to fullness and wholeness. Kingdom of God is about that. The kingdom of God is about the release of peace into people's souls, into people's calm, to use the word that was used in the Old Testament, this all-round, whole life, 360-degree peace that goes beyond uh, the physical. It includes the physical. It just involves the whole of reality. The kingdom of God's about that, the kingdom of goodness in every way. And that's what Jesus comes to bring, and that's why we as a church are here. And we've been saying, as Amy said before, that's the why, the kingdom of God. That how, how is that going to happen? How are we going to experience together more of God's kingdom? The how for us, as we've talked about, gets to this question of foundations. And it begins, and it really says, of the presence of God. How are, we, how are we going to see the kingdom come in Nottingham? Because the answer to that question will determine the kind of church we are. See, every church would say, you know, we're about the kingdom of God. Because Jesus was all about the kingdom of God, right? And if we're a church based around Jesus, we've got to say we're about the kingdom of God. But where we, where we perhaps bring out a different flavour as different communities is the how. And we, we believe here at Trinity that the, the best way to pursue God's uh, an ongoing engagement, a day-to-day, life-by-life engagement with his presence. The, uh, as the psalmist says, in his presence there's fullness of joy. In other words, his presence is where we experience the life of the kingdom. And it's through experiencing and then sharing the presence of God that we experience. The how is the presence of God and then the what is, uh, well, last week we talked about the what uh, being worship. And we said that there's an unmistakable link between the presence of God and worship. 
And we talked about David, didn't we, who, who danced his way into Jerusalem holding the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence, well, he wasn't holding it, others were holding it, where God's presence dwelt. And there he was dancing, uh, wearing just his underpants before God in this sort of completely surrendered life before that connection between the presence of God and worship. And there's two, this week we're going to be talking about how the presence of God comes uh, as a community learns to pray. So this week we're talking about prayer. And I know what you're going to be thinking. Well, we were always going to talk about prayer. That's obviously the right answer, isn't it? It was either Jesus or prayer. So, you know, we're not talking about, well, we are talking about Jesus this week, but obviously we were going to get to prayer. It's got to be about prayer. And and you're right. I mean, in one sense, there's something that feels a little bit cliche about talking about prayer. What we see in the scripture, in the Bible, all the way through the Bible, loads of different examples, loads of different men and women who embody this. But what we see again, just as we saw with worship, it is central, it is, uh, to use a pun, crucial to an understanding of God's presence. And if we're going to be the kind of people and if we're going to be the kind of church who are known for, who are comfortable with carrying God's presence to this world, to Nottingham, we have to be a people who learn what it means to be a people of prayer. It's not, maybe that's a better word, it's not primarily our activity that gets things done. It's not primarily our, our, our activity, our good works that gets things done in the kingdom of God. That's important and, and we see Jesus did a load of good stuff. But if we, if we go to, if we punt, if we run to the good stuff stuff before the prayer stuff, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it as a church. It's got to be first about prayer. And actually, that's what we see Jesus talking about in John 15. What does he say? You can open your Bibles uh, if you'd like. This isn't just my opinion. (laughs) Jesus says this, I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've said, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay, so the context, just as a little bit of rehearsal of what's going on in this. If, if you're not familiar with this, this may be helpful for you as you engage with what Jesus is saying. The context of what's happening here is that Jesus is getting ready to leave, right? He, he understands that his mission ends at the cross, going to die and rise again. His disciples have not yet got on board with the vision. They're still thinking something completely else is going to be happening, but that's where Jesus knows he's going to go. And so he's in the middle of, of this, uh, delivers to his disciples before he leaves, called the farewell discourse. Jesus is, in other words, about to say farewell, and so as you would if you were leaving your best friends behind and you weren't going to see them for a good while, uh, you'd, you'd give them sort of the, the instructions that you felt they most needed, right? So your parents have left you in the house, maybe your students, and, you know, mum and dad have gone away, haven't they? And they said, look, you know, uh, uh, the, the food is here because you're like, I don't know where the food is in our house. <laughs> the, there's a fridge, right? There's a fridge, it has milk and other things in it and it's there. The, there's a market down the road. Yeah, and you can get there, you can walk there, or you can drive if you drive. Don't get in the car, son. You can drive, you can get there on your own, and it sells all sorts of things. 
and give you all this information. They say the heating is here if it happens to be cold. You can turn the heating on, please turn it off. You know, all these instructions your parents might, maybe your mum would say this, I'll have some money for your son. Here it is and tucked away and whatever else. You've got these farewell instructions, they're really the essentials, right? You don't waste any time if you're going to leave. And Jesus doesn't waste any time. He tells them what matters the most. Now buried, buried here within this farewell discourse is, is a clue as to Jesus a true vine. Now there are seven, and again, this is, this is for those of you who are interested in this sort of thing. In John's gospel, there are seven statements known as the I am and then Jesus says something as, I am the gate for the sheep. And here we have the seventh, the final one. He says, I am the true vine. And in each of these statements, what Jesus is doing is picking up something. He's using a, a phrase that's been used before and he's, re, he's modifying it and telling people something essential about his identity. And here by saying, I am the true vine, Jesus is picking up an image that's used in the Old Testament, the bit about Israel and, and how they journeyed with God. Uh, an image which used of them and they used to be called Israel of course was called the vine and Jesus is saying look just as Israel was a vine created by God to do what I am in fact the true vine I come in the place of Israel to be obedient to God the father in the place of Israel I've come to do the thing Israel was meant to do in the first place I am the true vine, Jesus says. I am the true Israel, is what he's saying. I'm the true people of God. You want to know what it means to obey God? Look at me. Look at me. I am the true vine. Now, what's the point of a vine? By the way, there's a vine in my garden. I am, a, I am the vine grower. I'm the vine dresser, folks. What's the point of a vine? Why do you, why do you plant a vine? Wine? You want grapes? The purpose of planting any plant. You know, people these days, they plant stuff to enjoy it, right? Just to look at it. But, you know, the, the reason a farmer plants something, love, if you've got fields as a farmer, you don't just do it for, oh, I wouldn't mind some azaleas in my farm. <laughs> what farmer has ever said that? No, no, we've got a farmer down here. No, no, no farmer has ever said that, folks. Plant something in your farm for the sake of it. You plant it because you want a yield. God plants the garden of Israel. He plants the church because he wants fruit. Fruit. I am the true vine, Jesus says. Okay, God wants fruit. So let's crack on. Yeah? Let's get on with it. There's loads of good stuff we could be doing. You know, we could start this ministry, that project, that other thing. We could, we could be really busy. Let's make this... At least that's the human response. I've got to be honest, that is my response. You know, we look at the need out in the city and we've got it. Yeah, okay, we need to be fruitful. Let's get going. Let's crack on. But it doesn't work like that in the kingdom. Jesus says, no, it isn't like that. In the kingdom of God, the pathway to fruitfulness is as much as it is about addition. The way we become fruitful in the kingdom is not primarily through hard work. It isn't certainly uh, through striving. It isn't through making it happen in our own strength. The way we see fruit happen in the kingdom is by God's activity in us. And what we see here begins with pruning. Pruning. Now this is sort of a, a term for what happens in, in any garden, right? You, you or whatever those, you know. Yeah, I got it, I nailed it. 
those big scissors and you go around and you cut stuff off and you cut stuff off because you don't want the plant that you're planting or the vine to waste its energy growing in an unfruitful direction all the time. Now the word in the original language here for prune is the same word for clean. So when Jesus says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it'll be even more fruitful. You've already been clean. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. It's the same word. Jesus is saying that the essential work that one of the Spirit does in our life, that God does in our life, is pruning. One of the first things, one, one of the ways, get this, one of the ways you know, you can be absolutely sure, sit, you're on the right track with God is if he's pruning you, is if he's removing stuff from your life, is if he's cutting away the dead wood. More than that, it says here that he prunes the good stuff. One of the ways that you know that you're really gunning for God and he's re- his favour is on you, that, that he's you, is if he's, if he's meddling with the, with the good stuff in your life and he's it. He's cutting away at the stuff in your life that might not, might not enable you to be fruitful. Pruning. Fruitfulness begins with pruning. It isn't about addition all the time. As those prosperity gospel preachers will tell you, sometimes it's about subtraction. And pruning hurts. Pruning hurts. There's a quote, because I didn't memorise it. It's quite long. And I didn't actually even write it down. And this is from Jean Vanier, who started the Larche community, a whole set of communities all over the world. Uh, and these communities were, were, were started, and they're basically communities where people who have um, very severe live together, and they're assisted by, um, by, by folks. My, my sister actually worked in one of these communities for a few years. Jean Vanier says this about pruning. He says, the vine is pruned. The prunings are all those catastrophes that fall unexpected upon our lives. All the moments of loss and grief, loss of work, relationship, reputation, health, all those acts. We feel crushed, depressed, broken. We are like vines in winter, pruned back to a small stump. These vines appear to be completely without life, but no. When spring arrives, tiny buds appear, and then the leaves, and then the grapes. There is life. This is what pruning is about. Now, stuff happens in our life. Difficult stuff happens in any... The amazing thing about God is he lets nothing that happens in our life go to waste. Nothing. He's a, he, he is so economical and he's so gracious, so kind, he's so merciful that even, even tragedy he will use, even grief, even loss, even death, he will use for his purpose to bring about goodness for us and in us. And it doesn't feel like it at the time. It rarely feels like it. God is at work in the dead ends of your life. You know, where you feel like there's a dead end, you feel like there's an obstacle you can't get over. You've been looking maybe for a job and you just can't find one. God is at work there. God is at work. Maybe he's, maybe he's drawing you to a deeper dependence, maybe going somewhere he doesn't want you to go because he's got something even more fruitful for you. Maybe he's sharpening you. He's sharpening you because there's something for you 
that only you can do, but the time just isn't right yet. God works through pruning and stuff. says this, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. It's the stuff that bears fruit that he prunes. It's the good stuff he prunes. It's the gift. I met with um, uh, David Shearman, um, some of his family are part of this church, and David led uh, what's now Heart Church for a number of years, a number of decades, actually. Just an amazing man. Just a man who just... Um, just by being with him, you just feel, you sense you're in the presence of God, a wonderful guy. And I've had the gift of just being with him a couple of times. And um, one of the things David just impressed upon me was the fact that, that gifting, gifting often gets in the way. Gifting often gets in the way. It, it, sometimes when we're in our gifting, when we're doing the stuff we're most comfortable doing, it's then away from really depending on God. Gifting often gets in the way. That's part of the reason that sometimes our gifting is pruned. Now, just before Amy and I came here, I was in, believe it or not, uh, really, should have gone for a bit longer, Johnny. A couple more years there wouldn't have harmed. I was there for, a, for a, just a couple of years, and, and that was a time for, for, for Amy and I, certainly for me, of real pruning. And you go to these environments, you know, maybe you feel, you feel your identity is a certain thing, and I think my whole life, I, I've perhaps been told, I'm, I'm ashamed, honestly, I'm ashamed even to share some of this stuff, but I, I've maybe developed this identity of like being somebody that knows stuff, maybe vaguely sort of intelligent, and I went to this theological college sort of carrying this identity and needing for this identity be, to be justified. Needing other people to see this. And you go into this thing, and this is an environment here of sort of competition. And what I found is that I found the academic stuff a lot harder than I'd imagined I would. My grades were not as good as I hoped they would have been. You know, at the same time, God dropped a bomb on us uh, in, the, in the shape of a blessing. Two, two at the same time. And, and I've got to be honest, that stretched me just a little bit, if I can understate that. And... Th- and <laughs> And that time sort of feeling like I was running up against my, my limitation uh, and failing in an area I felt was really important to my identity. An area I thought I was gifted in and then also just being totally overwhelmed by the amount, the quantity. Asking me to do, it was a, it was a moment of severe, at the time felt like severe pruning. In fact, at the bottom of this page in the Bible I saw the other day, the 4th of the 12th, 2015, pruning hurts. That's what I wrote. It's painful. It's painful. But God only allows us to experience this pain of pruning so that we might be fruitful. It's about his kingdom. You know, if we're going to be the kind of people who say and live the prayer of Jesus, thy kingdom come, we've got to be the kind of people who can say with him, my kingdom go. And the only way we're ever going to get to be those kinds of people is if we allow him to cut away the stuff in our lives that gets in the way of him. I want us to be that kind of church. Church who is so deeply founded in him. You know, we know our identity is from him. And so we're not striving to, we're not striving to um, project an image of perfection to each other. How boring. You know, if you want a place, if you want a community in which you have to project perfection, you can go anywhere. Go to the freaking gym, right? And go and work out in front of the mirror, right? Go and, do, go and sculpt your guns, man. That's not what we're here for. Go to the gym all you want, I don't care, it's not about that. But that's the kind of community that exists there. A community of comparison and competition and the church is not to be about that. We're to be a community. 
and experience a God who loves you so much that you don't have to stay as you are. That's what we're here for. We're here because God so loved the world that he was generous. He was generous to us by giving us his very self in the person of Jesus so that we uh, could experience his good minute of every day. We could live in his presence and we could know that there is transforming power at the heart of the universe, that death is not the end, that resurrection is the history and the future of this universe. That's why we're here. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is coming and you and I have been offered an opportunity to experience. And if it takes a little bit of pruning, then it's worth it. It's about his kingdom. It's about his king connection. It's about connection. How to experience this goodness. Verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you in me. Fruit. The purpose is fruit. How do we get fruit? Beyond the pruning, what is there for us? There is remaining. Beyond the pruning, there is remaining. And that's the word remain. You see it in different versions of the Bible. If you've got a different version, it's probably got a different word. The old-fashioned word, which I've got, got to say I like, is abide. Abiding. Another word would be dwell. Dwelling. Hanging out. It's about living. The message says live your whole life. It's about, st- oh, here's a good one. Maybe it's because I'm wearing this shirt. I don't know. Anchoring. Anchoring. Being anchored. Be anchored in Jesus. That's what Jesus says. The, the key to seeing the kingdom of God in our lives is being anchored in God. Anchored. Not readily moved, staying Truth, right at the heart of the, of the gospel, right at the heart of the Christian message. Get this, if you get nothing else, get this. Anyone can be anchored in God. Anyone to God. Anyone can be connected to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what, what religious background you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter where you live. You may live in the posh bit. You may live on the street. It doesn't matter whether you shop at Waitrose or Lidl. It does not matter. None of it matters. It doesn't matter what race you are, what ethnicity you are. None of it matters. Anybody, everybody can be connected to Jesus, because, to God, because in Jesus, the, the doorways of heaven have been flung open. You know, when the resurrection happened, when Jesus, by the way, Jesus died for our sins. He died to obliterate anything which stood in God. And he, it was effective. He finished and he said, it's finished, I've done it. And he was, raised, he was raised to life on the third day. And as he was raised, we're celebrating that still. It takes some celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. As he was raised from the dead, the power of God was released to, to break open the, the tomb. And as the tomb was broken open, the gates of heaven were broken open too. And the kingdom of God became available to everyone. It's available to you today. You can be connected with God today. All you have to do is say, yeah. And it's not just a one-time thing. 
This connection is for every day, every moment of every day. Remain, Jesus said, it's an ongoing thing. Remain in me, and as I remain in you. It's a command. Those of you who like commands, military backgrounds, it's a command. It's also a choice. We get to choose. Are we going to be anchored? But here's the amazing thing. It's it's mutual. Remain in me as I also remain in this. This This is like we're going off the scale here in terms of ridiculously awesome truth. The Christian hope is this, not just that we would be in God, although that's true, but he would live in us. John 1 verse 14 in the message version says this, the word, Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Not just into the neighborhood, but into human flesh. And the word of God, Jesus, lives in us by the Holy Spirit. You know, there's no place you can go. If if you've said yes to Jesus, The Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart and every place you go becomes the place of God's presence. God's presence lives in you. That means there's no place you're in. There's no guilt or shame in God's presence, by the way. That means wherever it is that you are, you don't, because you're in the place of God's presence. Here's the key. And that's where prayer comes in. Because this kind of life is prayer. You know, praying is not just something we do. Before it's something we do, it's something we are. Before prayer is something we do, it's something we are. It's about connection to God. Fruit comes by pruning. Fruit comes by remaining. What kind of church are we going to be as I close? We want to be the kind of tis, his presence. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We want to be the kind of church that is familiar with the rhythms of remaining. You know, we pray these three types of prayer every day. If you're new, we're together trying to practice a rhythm of prayer. In the morning, we wake up and we read a psalm. Alarms go off at midday, just at the end of the service. People's alarms are going off everywhere. And we pray the Lord's Prayer, wherever we are, wherever we are in the city, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And at the end of the day, we pray this prayer of examine where we examine our day. We offer it to God. And we look for the things that he's done and we rejoice in them. And we offer the things that we wish we hadn't done and we repent of them. That's our rhythm of prayer. But before we talk about the, the practice of prayer, it's firstly about the, the presence of God in him. And I've just started doing this new thing before the psalm and I just spend five minutes just in quiet. Some of you are just, you're way past this. You do this for probably hours a day, but for me, this is new. But it's just a five minutes thing before a right and a thing, just remaining, just dwelling. And it's like a kickstart so that wherever I go in the day, the, the plan is at least, I know I'm in God's presence. I, I, I've become familiar with what it feels like to be in his presence. It says here that if we don't do this, we wither. Church, your source. Where is your source? You see, this text is telling us, this scripture is telling us that it's not about a strategy. Want to see the kingdom of God come? It's not going to be about a strategy. Global strategy for evangelization and bringing churches to different places. That's not what we're going to do here. And we might stumble across one, you never know. That's not what it's about. It's about being rooted in his presence.
It's about defining our, our source as his presence. Where is your source? To be pruned. Where is he trying to prune you right now? Maybe where, where are your gifts? Where is your act? Where are your ambitions standing in the way of the work of anchoring that he wants to do? The connection he wants to put in you. Maybe you're new to this. And this morning you're like, wow, this offer of connection, it's an offer I want to investigate more. We're going to be starting a place where you can get our house in the next few weeks or the next couple of months. We're going to start this called Alpha. We're just going to hang at our house, eat food, watch a video and chat about stuff that we're learning. Just an opportunity to investigate these claims a little more. But here's the question. What is your source? Where is your source? Where do you need to put your hope, your daily living, even your practices back into him? Where do you need to stand? And we're going to pray together and we're simply going to ask uh, the spirit of God to come he's here of course uh, but we're just going to ask him to come and speak particularly to to different ones of us and we're going to offer an opportunity for people to receive prayers if as well if they'd like to Joanne why don't you come forward grab your guitar maybe you want to um us and might not want to do that it's okay if not but just an outward sign of readiness to respond Father God, we, uh, we simply ask um, that you'd help us to remain in you. Help us to remain in you. Let us be a church, a community of people who remain. The remainers, no Brexit, pun intended. Lord, let us be the remainers. <laughs> let, us, let, let us be experienced. Let us become people who are familiar Open to your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit.